There are three letters that get mentioned quite a lot on our podcast, I think, and it might be a good idea to talk about them. Yeah, I'm very, very surprised we've got this far without it having come up. Yeah, it's something that kind of gets thrown around a lot in tech chats and was one of the well, was one of the terms that I heard a lot when I was first learning to code and I had no clue what it was for quite a long time, probably embarrassingly so. But this is the API. Do you know what it stands for? Well, I know it stands for Application Programming Interface, and I know that because we looked it up and wrote it down. <laughs> it's one of those things that you just say all the time and often forget what they stand for. And yeah, I could, I could reel off a whole list of other ones, like acronyms that are a fundamental part of what I do for a living and what I am paid to do and what I am nominally an expert in that I just cannot remember. Well, Jason sometimes the, uh, the meaning behind them is important. Yeah. Don't say you don't remember what JSON is. I was just about to say, yeah, that's one of the ones. Uh, uh, something object notation, structured object notation, JavaScript, structured object notation. JavaScript object notation. Yeah. JS, yeah. Yeah. God, I thought that would be an easy one. I don't, I don't ever think about what they stand for <laughs> unless someone says, oh, what does that stand for? And then I'm like, oh, I am 100% likely to get this wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like HTTP. Oh, hypertext no? transfer protocol. Yes, yes, yeah. half and half. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, XML so, so markup language. Yeah, I don't know what the X is though. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> this could be the show. Just guess, guess the uh, guess XML. Guess the initialism. Extensible markup language. There you go. Real time follow up. Oh, that's like UX, isn't it? What is it with developers and the letter X? Today. There are all those different ones, but this week our question is going to be, what is an API? So I've, I've kind of built an API. I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure. Yeah, it's great fun. I, I, before we get too far into it, what stage did you first come across the term and at what stage did you first start to either use or make one? When did I first come across the term? Probably on some podcasts, like I was saying earlier. Um, people just saying, oh, an API. I think you said to me, oh, I'm going to do some rugby stats and have an API for the Six Nations or something like that. And I, I went, oh, yes. I pretended to know what it meant. Because <laughs> I, I don't think it's as fundamental as like, when you're starting to learn, particularly web tech, HTML, JavaScript, CSS, you basically learn what, uh, you learn what they are, at least on your first day of learning. And I think yeah. API is one of those things that sort of hung around in the background. And it took me a few years of like, I would built websites and was being paid to do it before I knew what an API was or how to interact with one. That was like something that, you know, experienced developers did. And I, I had, I kind of put it off probably longer than I ought to have done. Learning, yes. Learning what they are and how to interact with them. Yeah. I d it definitely took me a while and probably until I actually built one and was like, oh, this is an API to uh, to maybe fully understand it. But that's because kind of no one had ever explained it properly. I think people said, it's an application programming interface. And I, I went, ah, what does that mean? <laughs> um, but it's basically just you have like two different applications and they talk to each other. So it's how like one application sends data to another application. It's like the way they interact, essentially, is their a API. Yeah, and it's quite loosey-goosey. It's not like MIDI in the musical world. Go on, more, more initialisms. I don't, I don't know that one at all. Uh, musical instrument. I know what it is. I know what it does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just don't know what it stands for. <laughs> musical instrument, digital interface. That's, that's a very, very <laughs> defined way of, of 
electronic devices communicating musical information between themselves. Um, API itself is quite loose, isn't it? Yes, that's a good point. Because when I started learning about it, I thought, oh, I need to return my data in a certain way. I need to have these certain routes for the data to go down. Um, I didn't realize that it was kind of just something you do <laughs> and it, you you define how it works, essentially, the person. There's like, there's some like, obviously there's some standards behind it. Um, but yeah, you get a lot of say in how it works. Um, and I'd say most APIs are all completely different to each other, the way they're written. <laughs> Seems like whatever flavor the developer that writes it likes uh, will apply to it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's up to the person that's created it. So, I mean, we've in the, par in the past, I've worked with APIs of, of varying quality, which is something that exists. Like you get things that are, they are inconsistent and they, they return different things in different places in different contexts and are weird. Um, you're very much dependent on the documentation of the person that's made it. Um, I'd say that's the most important place for documentation is an API. <laughs> yeah, because it's a or very the most useful place. <laughs> absolutely, because it's a very strictly defined way of interacting with something. So, I mean, do we, should we step back and look at like, like you were saying about the applications talking to each other? It's more a kind of like you don't have to have an application to talk to it. I guess I mean, this could, <laughs> what is an application now? Because <laughs> I've built websites that will interact with APIs that I don't think of as being apps themselves. Yeah, it's essentially just something's got some data and you want to get the data out of it. You want to get a specific piece of data out of that box. So you just say, I'm going to go to this route and I'm going to get this data out. They're not applications per se. Like they can be applications, but essentially it could just be like a a website and you. You type an address in your URL in your URL bar, and you get some data out of it that you've asked for. That's that's all it is essentially, isn't it? Like, yeah. So go on. So let's let's sort of spitball on that a little. Why is it different to just going to a Wikipedia page or a page on your website that has some information on it? What's the difference? So the diff I guess the difference is that it it gives you the data back in. I guess maybe not a human readable. I mean, it is human readable form, but it gives it back to you in. Like a an ob like a programming object. So, the most of the APIs work with I work with. They have they deal in JSON. We were talking about JSON a minute ago. Um, that's just like a Python dictionary essentially, and it just stores the data in a way that's easy for programming languages and programmers to access and do things with. Whereas if you if you had a website, I'd have to get rid of all the nonsense around the data and just get to the data itself. Whereas this is just gonna just gonna give you the data. You can go to API roots in your web browser, but it'll just come up with just the data. So there'll be like the, the curly brackets and then it'll say user one email blah 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 at blah 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 dot com. <laughs> this is their birthday. Like it but it won't it won't have like it won't have it, it won't have any styling. It won't have any of the things you would expect from a website. It would just spit you back that data. Yeah. Maybe it might be useful for the rest of the discussion to pick a an example topic. Maybe like you we've both done some stuff mucking around with rugby data, for instance. So let's talk about getting sports statistics out of a system and into your application where say so we're building a, a graph of a sports team's progress over a year and we want to get the information to power that um i've have where there's i've been in scenarios where there aren't apis that do what i want so the, the way you do it is almost like the the more instinctive way is to go to a web page find that information copy and paste it you don't want your application to do that because your application is not a human it can't copy paste it doesn't 
walk around and have hands and have a computer to look at. What you can do is automate that by using web scrapers that will go to, you kind of give your program, your application, a URL, it goes there, downloads the HTML, um, it, yeah, because it's a machine, it's not like actually seeing it, it's just looking at the text files that you get. You then have to work out how to basically, by text rec- like pattern recognition, find the bits of the page that have the information you in. And that's where pages that have nicely structured tables and things with good IDs and class and unique class names and and various things in there that you can use can be really helpful because you can say, you can put that HTML into an an interpreter in your application that can then break that down into HTML blocks and go through it and go, Oh, find me all the list items in a list that have a certain class on and it'll give you the information. And then you've got that in computer readable form. That's a real pain like having to do that is it's very brittle it's going to break a lot of time um and no it's not a recommended way of it's not reliable the key there yeah yeah that's that's a really good point yeah and what we've described um, there is is web scraping for the record that's what people talk about when they talk about scraping a page so that's yeah so that's where you have to get rid of all the fluff around the outside to get to the data you need. Mm. Whereas the API, you just it just sends you the data and you don't have to do any of that stuff. It makes life a lot easier. Yeah, it kind of skips um, all that stage entirely. And it's, so why would someone make an API? They want to share their information with the world. Basically, they want other applications to use their information. Yeah, it makes life easy for all programmers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so essentially, say we think about a sports team for something, you could have an API for a sports team and you would type into your address bar whatever the web address is, getyoursportsdata.com forward slash, um, that's a made-up website, it might exist, mm-hmm. I don't know, um, forward slash API generally, forward slash like V1 if it's a version 1, but that doesn't really matter, forward slash, and then you might say, then this, this is where you'd have to look at the documentation, but you might say, oh, I want to find this team, and then you do another forward slash, perhaps. Um, and I want this match. And I want the data from this. So I want this, like, for example, I might put extra chiefs match 16 of this season. And then I would get back just the information that I've asked for, hopefully, um, about how the chiefs, all the chief stats from that match. Um, and without having to go to a website somewhere and scrape through it and pick out the bits of information that I want. It just sends me all the bits of information I, I get. And then generally I use Python. Um, I would step, you can then easily step through the data and it's just a dictionary. It's an object. It's in my language. I can then get out the bits that I want and do the things that I want with them to analyze them. Yeah. And a crucial part of that step is that the extra chiefs themselves will have for that to work. They have to have built an API that has those endpoints in it for matches and uh, stats and things. Yeah, well, gets that's what getsportsdata.com has done. It's gone gone through all the matches and got all that data uh, previously. But the actual API itself is just holding on to that data. And I am using the API when I make that call to the extra chief slash match 16. Yeah, I guess a little bit tricky to, to do in audio form when you're saying out uh, <laughs> URLs. But <laughs> hopefully that uh, you kind of get the idea. We'll put maybe put we'll put an example in the show notes. Perhaps. Yeah, but the general principle is the application that you're trying to interact with will have a set of endpoints that each return different types of data. And often it can be, you can sort of manipulate that endpoint by putting in something unique at the end 
that is so it'll be teams and then you have a team name at the end that gives you like a block of information about the team um, so you can have one endpoint that is actually giving you lots of different type different um sets of information based on sort of the parameters at the end yeah well if we um there's a there's a really good one and i'm sure a lot of nerds will like it uh is the the star wars api so you can go to star wars uh, dev, um and this is just an api essentially so this website kind of tells you is the website is the documentation for it essentially and it says try it now https colon forward slash forward slash spot uh swapi.dev forward slash api forward slash and then it gives you some examples so you can say forward slash planets forward slash three and i guess here the number is kind of the the id name of it so and then it gives me a javascript object and it says the name yavin for rotation periods 24 hours uh the climate is temperate and tropical um but it's giving it to me in a really a really easy way to access it's not it's not giving any styling it's not giving anything like that it's just giving me a, a json object out um so i would suggest if you're not 100 percent sure like a bit confused about what we're talking about in terms of these urls uh, i would just go and try that out you could just type into your browser uh swapi.dev or you can wing it and, and .dev forward slash api forward slash planets three i'm sure you could put a different number in and it would give you back some some results and it's nice and easy to use because there's no authentication, there's no hoops to jump through. It's just a thing that works nicely. I guess yeah. we should touch on the fact that, that what you're doing there is making a GET request. Yeah. I, yeah. And this all comes down to uh, something called REST, doesn't it? Yeah. That REST is one standard. There are... Uh, I can't even remember what a RESTful API... What does that stand for? We're going back into working out what our acronyms are now. Um, RESTful... Ah, uh, I did know this at one time. <laughs> I've read it hundreds of times. <laughs> Basically, I, I take it to mean you get JSON back. <laughs> Representational state transfer. There you go. Yeah. Doesn't that clear things up? Yeah. But um, I think the first API I ever interacted with was SOAP, um, which I think is, yeah. And you get, like, having to deal with XML is, like, it's a, it's a bulky format. I mean, technically, RSS feeds are a kind of API, I think you could say. Um, so like the way this podcast is distributed. So if you're listening to this in a in some kind of podcast player where you've subscribed, essentially our podcasting provider has made an API, which is here's a URL. You can make a GET request to this URL and be returned the a, a list of structured data about the podcast, which includes the episodes. And that's in XML data. That's how our, the RSS format is put together. Um, it, I, yeah, I personally find XML bulky and confusing i think there are lots of good reasons to use it in various places and i never use it really for anything <laughs> me neither <laughs> i guess if you're using c sharp or something it makes sense yeah well it's a familiar um, it's a familiar format for a lot of program programmers and even if you're coming from a design world like if you've ever opened up an svg it looks very much like xml html yeah. there's a there's a linkage there there's the ml family of languages are all kind of connected um hmm. So a get we were talking about get requests, mm -hmm. weren't we? Yeah. So what we're doing is just asking for some data. We're saying, can we have this data, please? Hopefully the server says, yes, please. Uh, yes, of course. Here you go. Here's the data. Um, but I guess that we may not always want to do that. So, for example, if I wanted to, you may have been on a website once where it allows you to log in via Facebook or GitHub or some other service. Um, obviously, you have to interact with Facebook 
let's let's take the example. Mm-hmm. Let's take the example of GitHub. I prefer GitHub to Facebook. <laughs> um, so obviously, your whatever website you're logging into isn't GitHub and may not be owned by GitHub, but it's just allowing you to log in there. So you've got to put your data in there, and you've got to get it to GitHub. GitHub have got to check it, and then they've got to send back their data and say, yeah, this person is logged in correctly on GitHub. Let them in, essentially. Um, that's a very simplified version of it. But that's essentially what's happening. So in this situation with GitHub, we need to send it some data as well. We need to send it the user's login details. Um, so we have to post it to them. So there's the get request where you're just asking for data back or you're posting something to a, an, an API. So you're actually, with your request, you're not just saying, can I have some data? You're saying, can I have some data? And here's some of my own data as well for you to have. Um, so then it takes that data, it'll check it against its system, and then it will it'll send back a, a response. Yeah. So I think um, just for, for clarity, if this if this is new to you, you're listening. When we say get and post, it sounds they they make sense in the context that they're used. So we are getting information when we make a get request, and when we post something, we're essentially sending information out to the API, posting it, if you will. Um, but those two words are very specific. So you'll see that you'll often see them. You'll see them capitalized, and they are specific types of request. Do you know them all? I do not know them all. <laughs> no. So there's post. Uh, otherwise known as create, mm-hmm. uh, get, you're reading the data, put, you're updating it and replacing it. Um, and then there's patch, which I didn't know about. So you're updating it and modifying it as well. So I think the puts replacing it, the patches, I guess they're very similar. Um, and then there's delete, which is self-explanatory. But like yeah. like all these words, post, get, put, patch, delete, they're generally written all uppercase. They're very specific words for the thing they do. And to get to the point where you have like functional knowledge of how to interact with APIs, get, post, and delete are like the, th- the three ones you're going to interact with on a regular basis. Yes. In fact, I don't think I ever use delete. I think I just use get and post most of the time. <laughs> so have you done um, much with authing? Like uh, authenticating yourself when connecting to APIs. Yes. Because like yeah. so far, what we've talked about are open-ended things where you make a GET request, and it will always give you back as long as the as long as the connection is good, it will give you back what you ask for. So when yeah. like the, yeah. the Facebook scenario, for instance, if you're sending a message to Facebook saying "Hello, I am Ed. Give me my give me my login details, and then give me some information about my account." Pretty bad bad idea if anyone can do that i could i could say hello i am ed um and i would have all your information (laughs) Um, yeah so there's a level of authentication that comes in and i don't think we should probably dive into the specifics of authentication headers and bearer tokens and the things that you do but we should there are open apis that are nice and simple and easy and if you're getting started with apis you never used one before yeah star wars api swappy is a, a great example of that um you can you can play around and have some fun but then there's an, another level of of apis that are authenticated and that's how a lot of um services on the web work and that's like a big part of um a lot of developers time is spent interacting with services like that and like being able to authenticate with an api and establish you are who you say you are so that it can give you the information that you want is really useful so if you're that's the kind of two that would be the two steps of learning i would say master like an open-ended api that's free for anyone get get your head around that play make some requests get some information use use that a bit and then when you start getting to feeling comfortable with that try and do something that you can authenticate with yeah that's that's a good point i am um, generally you kind of you send off you say you like send your 
login details off and they say yes you're now authenticated here's a token and then you can you get a token and the next like say you wanted to send a get request you just add your token to your request um, and it would go yes that's a good token <laughs> you can have the data um, it's a simplified version but yeah that obviously it does get quite complicated and there are I think most all tech products generally use an API at some point so there are a lot of security things around them and they are quite can get quite uh, heavy I suppose. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's one of the it's what one of the things that makes them so powerful, makes them so ubiquitous, is that there's there's so much you can do. Um, and yeah, I am really I'm quite surprised we've got this far in the podcast without having talked about them explicitly beforehand. Because it's if you're mm. learning, I mean, I think it's an intermediate skill. I wouldn't suggest someone who's on their f- like first weeks of learning how to to interact with the web and build websites need you don't need to know APIs straight away. As soon as you're ready, learn them because it's a valuable skill, I think. And it's a good way of sort of getting up, like boning up on just general web technology because you'll need to kind of have an understanding of status codes, for instance, HTTP status codes, um, so that when you get a, a good a good response, you'll get a 200 status code and you'll know that everything's worked. And then sometimes you'll get a 404 or a 401 and you don't need to know the difference between the t- between those because they tell you, Generally, they tell you what you've done wrong when you're trying to call. T- yeah, don't don't feel like you need to uh, memorize them all. Though. No, no, no. But there are. I mean, yeah. I, in my experience, four hundred one and four hundred four turn up a lot. Basically, any, if it starts with a if it starts with a four, you've made a mistake. Yeah. If it if it's a five hundred error or of some flavor, it's their mistake. The API creators have made a mistake. So, so yeah. and and these turn up just generally using the web. You might have tried to access a website before, and it says five hundred. 500 internal server error or 502 bad gateway or something. That's, well, 404 that's... is this classic code for page not found. So you'll, you'll generally see uh, for most websites, 404 pages, they will have some kind of pretty page saying, oh, this isn't here. Try searching. Or something. Yeah. So that that's what those codes are. I mean, that's our another episode, isn't it? HTTP yeah. status codes. Well, while we're on it, do you have a favorite one? I have a favorite one. I think I know what your favorite one's going to be. It's because I put uh, it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 418. Do you know what that one is? Uh, I do. I'm a teapot. Yeah. Be- just because. Go look it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just because. There is a, a there is a story behind it. Um, yeah, but not actually useful, is it? No, no, no one returns it's useful if you're making. It's useful if you're making uh, coffee. Uh, okay. So maybe you're thinking, this is fantastic. I know about APIs now. How do I make one myself? Because generally the best way you learn things is, I guess, by using and by building. Uh, creating things um, and I I created one very very simple um, I just used Flask my web framework and you just add when you get to this stage you just essentially I just added some roots to my website forward slash API forward slash something 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 um, and then like we've talked about before uh, you can just go there and it gives you the data one way I used to one a tool that's very useful when you're working with APIs is something called Postman. Have you used this at all, Tom? Yep. In fact, we uh, it's one of the blessed ways of learning to use the API that we make at work. Like, So when people are trying out our product, we have built into our documentation, we have put open this in Postman links, and we have a set of Postman uh, templates, essentially, that will let people sort of experiment with the experiment with our API. And, and so what Postman is, is an application that you can run on your computer, and it opens up like it's basically a load of forms and a, a GUI for interacting with APIs. 
It's like a web browser, but just for APIs. I think. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> so a good way of putting it. Yeah, but it's more—it's more of a tool, more of a technical tool than a web browser because you kind of store things up in certain places. I think the way, and like particularly when it comes to authentication and you're sort of setting globals and variables and things, it's very deep. It's very—it's quite complicated sometimes. Um, but it doesn't have to be. No, no, no. And you can—you can even just get normal websites if you want. <laughs> but. Uh, I probably wouldn't suggest doing that. Yeah, but rather than like running curl in your in your command line or having to sort of build a little Node app that then talks to the API and sets up all the authentication and stores various tokens and does all that, you don't need to build an application of your own to interact with an API. I think um, that's what Postman. That's the role Postman is filling. It means you don't have to write any specific code. You can just get started straight away. And all like if you're testing out a new API. All you need to worry about is the thing that you're interacting with. You don't need to think about your side of the, the technical stack there. Yeah, yeah, it's a good way to experiment with new things and without having to, without any of that setup. Yeah, good, 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 good. So hopefully uh, we haven't been got too technical in this and talked about URLs and things for too long. Um, do go and have a have. I would suggest your first port of call be the swapi.dev the star wars api uh, just to kind of get your head around what what apis do and kind of how they work at the the core and then like tom said earlier maybe kind of then step up to some more complicated ones where you might have to authenticate yourself and log in yeah and chances are that that will come up in the process of the natural process of making things like you will want to interact with APIs. It gives you extra functionality that you haven't had to build yourself. It allows you to interact with things that exist already and, and do a whole load of a load of stuff. And it's something that you're going to have to do on the job at some point, particularly if you're a front-end web developer. Like being able to interact and work with an API is is a core competency. Yeah, and they are all over the place. Like you will find if you look up something you're interested in and an API, there's probably something like at least in the ballpark out there so like there's there's always there's ones for weather there's ones for traffic there's one for like a games you play um i know there's a call of duty one like there's 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 apis for all sorts of things um for getting data out of stuff like so yeah just have a i'd have a search around for whatever you're interested in and api and uh hopefully there'll be something that you can look into yeah i mean there's a lot of uh, people that listen i think are probably are familiar with building wordpress sites there's a wordpress json api that you can interact with and you can make new pages and create posts and do all that kind of stuff um yeah it, they come up all the time and my, my point being you can learn it with a specific goal in mind rather than just saying i'm going to learn how to authenticate with apis it's okay to yeah. wait until like <laughs> a reason to use it comes along <laughs> yes exactly which we often say is a, is a good way of learning and remembering and absorbing knowledge, isn't it? Yeah. Having it a specific is. goal, something that you are trying to achieve. Yeah, something you're interested in, hopefully. So thanks very much for listening. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at AQO Code. And you can find us online at aqoc.dev or questionofcode.com. We can find all the information you need to get in touch with us and suggest uh, topics for future episodes and maybe guests, people we can get on. Um, and yeah, if you've got any questions about this episode, if we've if you think we've explained something badly if you think we've made a mistake or you just you know want to know more get in touch we're always happy to answer questions make sure you do subscribe and tell your friends about the show as well thanks a lot see you next time see ya bye bye, bye.